What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Embodied Wellness Radio. My name is Denon Maxim Chuck. Today is going to be a solo sode, including just me, while Sarah is busy, busy dealing with all of the beautiful client work that she is busy with at the moment, helping people and all that fun stuff. Today's episode is going to be about six reasons you aren't losing fat. And before I begin this list of the most common reasons that you know we tend to see people not losing weight, I want to first state that the majority of the people Uh, that our clients at Embody Wellness and are working with us are usually to overcome more so I would say higher end health challenges and abilities. And the high majority don't have the specific body composition goals. And in fact, previously, we've actually been quite adamant about not taking on clients that solely have the goal of just losing body fat. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that Uh, An individual who may be working through a challenge um, with his or her coach doesn't also want to look a certain way. I mean, we all want to look good. We all want to look good naked, right? In fact, in some cases, even um, one's body fat percentage may also impact the physical challenge or the illness that they're, you know, is their main goal that they're working through with their coach. In most cases, though, especially if you are someone who is working through a health challenge, fat loss is probably not your primary concern, as oftentimes the stress from the situation alone is going to be a large uh, roadblock in that process, If even if you wanted to lose fat, which is one of the things we will be talking about. So once you have overcome that goal, inflammation and stress are down and your energy is returned, your blood work is looking great again, then creating a body composition goal with your coach is likely going to be a more appropriate time to start approaching that new progression in your health journey. However, if you are someone with a body composition goal, uh, keep an eye out in the coming months as we will be opening up my schedule to accommodate clients for fat loss and muscle gain. uh, And we will be looking in the future to bring on an additional coach to begin helping with more complex cases as well. So without further ado, let's get into the six reasons why you aren't losing fat, starting with number one. Very simply, you are eating too much. And now a lot of you might have just rolled your eyes and went, well, Denon, no shit. But this is actually a a trickier and we're going to progress onto this in the coming like two or three points uh, because it's a trickier point than what most people tend to realize, especially if they are like tracking their food, which we'll talk about in a second. So before we get into more details, let's just cover some of the basics to make sure that everyone is on the same page here. So in order to lose body fat, and notice I I try not to say weight, losing weight or talking about gaining weight or losing weight, a lot of the times we get lost because people who oftentimes are trying to quote unquote lose weight um, may also in that process be, you know, building lean tissue. It's it's not very easy to do that. In most of the cases that you have to be either in a caloric deficit or in excess Uh, When we're trying to lose fat or gain weight, we would have to be slightly in excess. But there are cases where you can do both at the same time. And I've seen that happen. I know some people might argue that, but it certainly is a possibility. And oftentimes when you are gaining lean muscle and perhaps when you're gaining that lean muscle, your body then has to fuel that muscle. And in the process of fueling that muscle, it's going to use maybe some of your internal storage of of energy, fat, um, to take that muscle and make it healthy and let it live throughout the day, right? So there are cases where, for example... You start to lose fat, but the weight doesn't change because you have more lean tissue on your body. So again, quite simply, even if you're someone who works out every day, goes for a walk with a dog and eats quote unquote healthy, that doesn't mean whatsoever that you are in a caloric deficit that will result in your body using your stored energy in the forms of fat and glycogen, which is stored in our livers and our muscles. 
So if we're consuming on par or slightly more energy than we need, we will not lose fat. In order to lose weight, lose fat, we must be consuming less calories than we are expending. Now, like I said, we store energy in the form of fat. We store energy in the form of glycogen, which is like broken down food, and it's stored in our muscles and liver uh, from glucose down to glycogen. And we also store energy in the form of protein. However, the uncoupling of these proteins is generally in response to being in way too much of a deficit oftentimes, and some might even call it a starvation mode. And it's pretty costly to the body. So we're going to avoid the entire topic of what's called gluconeogenesis altogether. Don't worry about that. We don't really want to push things into um, that area anytime we're doing any sort of like fat loss body composition journey. So in order to be in a caloric deficit, again, meaning that we are consuming fewer calories than you're burning in order for your body to use its stored fuel sources, we can do it in three different ways. The first one is exercising more. Exercising more will force our body to uh, expend more energy. We need to burn energy in order to move. Uh, Number two would be lowering your caloric intake. And if you don't know, a calorie is a measurement of a single unit of energy. The third option to put yourself into a caloric deficit is ideally the best option, and that's a combination of the first two, which is exercising more and gently lowering your caloric intake. So first things first, in order to even begin to calculate Um, we need measurable data, you know, test don't guess as, as Sarah always says, right? So exercising is a bit easier to understand. I'll I'll commonly adjust, you know, inside of a client's program, many of the variables in order to elicit like a desired adaptation or response in the body. I can force us to work harder by adjusting the rest times, you know, the even rep lengths, uh, entire density or length of the workout. So many things can go into, uh, creating, um, kind of like a stress adaptation of more work. However, It can be tough to get a really good idea whether or not you're in a caloric deficit until you have the measurable data. And this is where tracking your food intake can be a really accurate way of measuring your intake as compared to just eyeballing it or approximating it. Now, tracking your food isn't for everyone, but it is a far more accurate approach. For some people, they might be better off just starting with, you know, maybe a couple day food log, um, perhaps even looking at maybe just removing an extra snack that they might be eating throughout the day that we noticed on their food log for a few days. And then we can kind of just slowly adjust from there. It usually is a bit of a longer process, but Oftentimes, for somebody who maybe doesn't have a very healthy relationship with food, or this can lead to obsessive compulsiveness of of tracking, maybe that is a better option to go with. But if accuracy and data are for you, and you are wanting to make, uh, I would say, maximize the amount of change in the shortest amount of time, um, accuracy and data are really going to be useful. So um, apps like MyFitnessPal or Chronometer, my personal favorite would be t- between the two there would be the Chronometer because it does take a deeper look into your micronutrient intake. So once you collect the data and find your kind of median range, maybe over a five to a seven day period of your caloric intake, then you can start to slowly cut back on your calories. So generally 500 calories per day of a caloric deficit is like, I would say the gold standard for healthy fat loss that, you know, oftentimes is generally accepted is, is going to lead to about one pound per week. However, it should be noted that there's so many variables here from one person to another that aren't being taken into consideration. And this number really changes once I kind of know more about what a person's starting point of daily calories is and other things like their current body weight. And, you know, like I said, lots of variables that can go into this. But if, if you're just going to try to take this information and go out on your own, that can maybe be something that you start working with. Um, again, to please talk to a doctor before you 
decide to make any changes with what you're doing. Uh, this is not medical advice. I'm just putting out some information for you. It also is going to be important to mention that there is a certain number of calories and macronutrients that men and women require, but more specifically women, if we're looking at maintaining a functional menstrual cycle, um, which if you've been listening for a long time, you'll know that the menstrual cycle is considered to be a woman's fifth vital sign. So in some cases, a more advanced strategy is going to be, have to be utilized. And oftentimes, it's actually surprising more often than not, um, many women and men who come in and maybe they've been trying to lose weight for a long period of time are actually eating such a low amount of calories that oftentimes we actually have to reverse the process first uh, to regain a healthy median before we can begin to reduce again, which is, like I said, far more common than most people realize because they've kind of gone about this in a way that is uh, less optimal for their bodies. And they're kind of in this unfortunately stuck area, which is where they have to kind of come back to an expert for. Otherwise, they're just going down a really, really dark road of breaking their bodies down for no reason, or maybe not without reason. I, like I understand the reason. However, the results are not going to happen at the point where they are, if they're in full-blown starvation. And at this point, their proteins are being lost. Therefore, their muscles going away. And instead of healthy fat loss, we're looking at just withering away, which is oftentimes, unfortunately, I see this a lot. Um, so a lot of times people might come to us with um, they want to lose fat, but they're coming in a, in a state that their, their body is not ready to do that. And we have to reverse out of that before we can actually go back into the, um, the healthy process of losing body fat to a, a comfortable level. Let's say by all the data, you're a healthy individual, you're eating enough to begin with, and there's no present risk factors to you wanting to begin to lose a few extra pounds that maybe have been lingering on for a while and start tracking your macronutrients, your, your calorie intake, you know, you're getting your daily exercise, but after a few months, nothing is changing. This brings us to number two. Number two is consistency. Have you ever watched a movie that was really, really good? And then suddenly, you know, there's this odd scene. Maybe the dialogue wasn't well written. Maybe the acting was just a little bit too forced, but something didn't seem quite right. And it completely pulled you out of the experience. The movie continues, and sure enough, there's another scene that just doesn't fit. By the end of the movie, it goes from being what you thought was going to be an award-winning film to a mediocre movie because all it takes is a few bad scenes to ruin the experience, when consistency in the acting, in the script, and all of these things would have made it a masterpiece. Oftentimes, I refer to this similarly to your fat loss journey. Your fat loss journey can be very similar if you don't have the consistency. Although you might go to work from, let's say, Monday to Friday, it doesn't mean that when the weekend comes around, all of a sudden, the law of thermogenesis suddenly goes away and you can eat above your caloric range since you were good for five days. And this is a common issue I see among people who are, whether you're trying to, doesn't matter what your program is, like lose fat, gain muscle, or working on more higher end health issues, a lot of the times, people all of a sudden, after a few days, want to just take a day off. Unfortunately, that is not conducive to your success. Monday to Friday looks great. They hit all their numbers. And if they're following the meal plan, maybe they rock it to a T. Then Saturday rolls around and they begin to relax. They stop weighing their food. They add in little extra snacks, maybe even two, maybe a couple extra bites out of something they wouldn't have normally had. Maybe they go out to eat with a friend and you know they have a drink. And then suddenly, with almost no effort, you're 2,000 calories over your daily caloric target. Now, if that person was, let's say, in a goal of a 500 calorie deficit from Monday to Friday, 
Um, they would have in that time, like, let's just say if we're adding it all up, that would have been a deficit of 2,500 calories. Now, if we're just doing the math on that, if they just ate 2,000 calories over their limit for what is meant to be allowed in a certain day, they've just undid four of those five days of a deficit with one single day of eating over this caloric range. Now, the body doesn't obviously count calories over the course of a week. However, those calories still have to be stored within the body. They don't just go away. Energy cannot be destroyed, even in a food form. Just because you ate a delicious dish of food doesn't mean that it's destroyed when you chew it up and eat it and ingest it. The energy that is contained within that food is just being transferred into a new form of energy within the body. This is energy transfer, right? This is a law. This is where consistency is key for your fat loss journey. Now, there's a few points in point two there that are going to lead into point three. And point three is the little things matter. So let's say you're keeping an awareness on how much food you're taking in. And as far as you can tell, you've been consistent with all your daily goals. This brings me to a story that Sarah and I have seen time and time again. Client X, we'll call client X Jane. Shortly after we start working with Jane, we take a look at her food log and see that Jane hits her goals each and every day. But we notice a few red flags. The first is that we know that Jane likes a coffee in the morning. And if she's an embodied wellness client, you already know that Jane's not having that within 90 minutes of waking or before she has her food. That's a whole other thing. We'll talk about that another day. But we also noticed that Jane once mentioned that she really likes this specific specialty cream that she likes to put in her coffee. However, when we took a look at her log, I see no cream logged for that coffee. Similarly, Jane is very excited about the awesome fresh olive oil that she got from her friend in Australia that was fresh picked. It's super fancy. It's delicious. But when I look at her food log, I don't see the olive oil tracked in any meal. Lastly, once or twice a week, Jane likes to have a glass of wine to wind down on a Friday or Saturday night. I know this because she talked about it on one of the last calls. Again, I see no record of this. Therefore, it's not being accounted for when adding the food throughout the day. Now, this might not seem like anything, but if you have two tablespoons of cream between, let's say, two coffees a day, an eight-ounce glass of wine, and two tablespoons of oil, maybe cooking with it or adding it to a salad, and that's unaccounted for, that's 400 calories right there. And that's only two tablespoons of cream, an eight-ounce glass of wine, and two tablespoons of oil. That's almost nothing. It doesn't seem like anything at all. It barely fits on a plate. And that's not counting the extra little bites, you know, maybe that Jane stole off her partner's dinner plate because any guy knows that, you know, if you've got a girlfriend or a wife, you know, the girlfriend tax is always a spoon of whatever you made first just because somehow it's different than what's on her plate. Whatever. I'll never understand it, but that's okay. Or perhaps maybe what well, I see this a lot as well is that the day before, you know, in order to create more consistency, oftentimes we'll have clients pre-log their food for the next day so that they know they have to eat within exactly what's in that log. But perhaps when you're at the coffee shop that morning, and instead of getting, you know, the black coffee with a tablespoon of cream in it, instead, you'd see the, the specialty fall menu, right? And you see that, oh, oh, the really cool coffee version that, you know, maybe you want to try out. And you know what? Treat yourself. It's your day. But you don't realize that you've already logged that coffee. We already have a set in stone what we're going to have throughout that next day. And that extra coffee 
you didn't realize it's got extra cream in it. It's got extra fat. It's got extra sugar in it. And now we're 500 calories above what we had already logged just from that one drink alone. So if the safe goal is a 500 calorie deficit each day for Jane, just missing these little things can completely negate the intended deficit that would have led to your body's using its uh, like its stored fuels, right? The little details matter. But like I said in the beginning, for some people, this detailed approach maybe isn't an option for you if you perhaps don't have a good relationship with food. As oftentimes, especially in the beginning for someone who maybe isn't in a good headspace around their food, it can lead to this obsessive thinking, right? Which some people might understand what I'm saying. Um, and this can lead to unhealthy thinking patterns. So for that person, a different approach might be better. You know, however, for someone who is more ready to, I would say, you know, ferociously attack their goals, which is kind of the people that really align with my coaching style, uh, this detailed recording can really make or break, or at least I would say, yeah, at the very least, it allows you to be far more accurate rather than guessing or estimating. We can make more progress in a shorter amount of time with more data. So just to recap, point one is you're just eating too much. We have to be eating less than what we're expending. Number two is consistency. Consistency, consistency matters. Number three is the little things matter. We need to be aware of these little things. And number four is stress. We talk about stress a lot. And we talk about stress a lot because it has so many effects on so many things. And there's one thing that I can promise is that if you can't get control of your stress, maybe I should have made this point number one. If you can't get control of your stress, do not expect your fat loss journey is going to be an easy one. We've seen clients who have come to us without the goal of a body transformation, you know, to fix a bunch of their health challenges. And as a byproduct of less pain, less inflammation, less mental fatigue from their, you know, debilities, um, all of a sudden they have more energy. They suddenly drop loads of fat mass over the coming weeks and months. So first of all, it's hard to be in a caloric deficit even a minor one when you're stressed. As many people, when they're stressed, they resort to food to stimulate pleasure chemicals that our brain will release. Secondly, stress causes the body to produce a stress hormone called cortisol, which inevitably everybody's heard of, right? Or if you don't, cortisol is the stress hormone. So when this bad boy is being released into the body, part of its job is to promote body fat. Typically, stress fat is associated with the stomach area. And not only that, but when you're stressed out, your sleep suffers only adding to like the internal stress that's within the body. And the lack of sleep begins to increase the hunger hormone called ghrelin. And if you've ever been stressed out, as I'm sure everybody have, <laughs> that was kind of a dumb thing to say. You've been stressed out before. Everybody has, right? So you can probably recount back to when you were stressed. Oftentimes you make poor decisions. You say stupid things. <laughs> you have impulsive behavior. Uh, oftentimes you're left apologizing the next day for the stupid things that you said, right? Um, you you have these impulsive things that might come out and this inability, I would say, to exert willpower. And you kind of just feel like you're being taken along from the ride with your emotions. You kind of feel out of control, right? This is due to the fact that stress affects the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is a critical area that you really need to have some control over when adhering to a program around improving your body composition. Stress is so critical for weight loss. In fact, actually, here's a little story for you. I know a girl who if I didn't know her personally, and I also have evidence to literally see how it happened, I probably wouldn't believe this story. 
but she gained 26 pounds in less than a month from a situation that caused her so much extreme stress. I actually think it was like two weeks. I don't even think it was a month, which it sounds, it sounds unbelievable. And I know, and I, I know you're probably hearing this and you're like, I don't know about that. Some of you actually might know who this is. Uh, if, if you're kind of in my circle, you, you kind of know this, but I didn't even know that was physically possible until she did it. Like I said, that's 26 pounds in less than a month. That just goes to show the power of stress and what it can do in your body. So if this is you and you can't get control of your stress, you absolutely must before embarking on a journey of body sculpting, right? Of looking to lose fat, of working on your body composition. And number four here talking about stress kind of ties us in perfectly into number five, which is inflammation. Now, inflammation needs to be a point on its own because inflammation is a form of stress within the body. However, it's worth noting in a separate point because sometimes weight loss is more than what you're putting in your mouth. A lot of the times, like with stress, it's perhaps what's going on between your ears. Inflammation in the body has been shown in research to elevate a key inflammatory marker called C-reactive protein. And that spikes up when our body weight increases and appears to trigger both hormonal and metabolic challenges in the body until that weight is lost. Not only that, but inflammation can also lead to insulin resistance. And if you don't know, insulin is the storage hormone that helps your body regulate blood sugar. When you eat and your body breaks down food into glucose, insulin is secreted from the pancreas to tell your body to store the sugar in your blood. If our bodies become resistant to insulin, it can cause an elevated blood sugar, which can cause a fatty liver, leading to further insulin resistance, therefore causing this vicious cycle of gained weight more insulin resistance from the gained weight, and then more added weight because we're insulin resistant. Not only does it affect insulin, but it also affects our hormone leptin. Leptin is key for telling our body when we need to stop eating, like we're full, right? Our, our, our satiation response, right? And when also to ramp up or slow down energy usage, for example, our metabolism. When we're in an inflammatory state, research suggests that the functioning of leptin can also become altered. So how do we reduce our inflammation? Number one, well, is go back to point four, talking about stress. Get your stress down. Stress causes inflammation. Number two, remove processed foods. Also remove foods that contain added sugars. Added sugars are pro-inflammatory. Eat more leafy greens, avocados. Pick up a fresh pressed and a fresh picked olive oil. There's lots of specialty stores all around that you can get those from, and those are fantastic. I highly recommend a fresh pressed and picked olive oil. Uh, fish, uh, high in omega-3s, or just more foods that are high in omega-3s are really important. And number three is make damn sure you're getting your sleep. These three things are going to be quite key in reducing your body's inflammation. Now, if you're super serious on this subject like I am, I would also add a fourth category here, which is removing any environmental inflammatory factors or variables such as like unnaturally scented laundry soaps, soaps in general, just scents, get scents out of your life in general. Like candles are really bad for that. Dryer sheets, uh, anything chemical that is going to be adding a toxic load into your body, having an effect on your endocrine system, your hormone systems. These things are all going to be working in coordination with each other to just basically drive inflammatory factors within the body up. Now, they don't work together together, but all of these things are going to be uh, variables that are going to be increasing inflammation within the body. So although it's rare, I do see from time to time a person who is over-exercising, like I mentioned. Now, I want to be very clear, though. Exercising isn't bad. 
exercising is a form of what's called a hormetic stressor. And hormetic stressors are things that we adapt to. They make us stronger. Very rare, and I mean very rare, that people are over-exercising. However, over-exercising is a thing if you're under-recovering, and under-recovering would also include, uh, I would say, improper nutrition. You're not eating enough protein. You're simply not eating enough calories to recover enough throughout the day and provide the energy that your body needs for your athletic endeavors. Yeah, then then you're going to have an issue with recovering, right? Um, that's more common, I would say, is under eating in, in place of the activity that you are doing as compared to somebody who's actually literally over-exercising, maybe doing three hardcore workouts a day. Like that's for a long period of time. It's a lot harder to do that, but it is possible. Number six, this is a big one. Number six is a big one. It is you are impatient. If you're stepping on a scale each day, sometimes even multiple times a day, and become so myopically focused with every wrinkle, pouch, or anything that doesn't resemble a striated piece of meat on a lean body, you kind of start to think yourself into oblivion. Oftentimes, stressing yourself backwards, having the exact opposite response that you want rather than moving forwards in this journey. We began to make it very clear on our website uh, probably about a year ago that when we were trying to build up Sarah's clientele, which now she's you know, quite backed up, right? We were so focused on ensuring that she was taking on people with more sophisticated health issues, really, that are not fat loss. Because after the third or fourth person in the span of a month that basically said along the lines of like, you know, I've been at this for one week and I haven't noticed any visible changes in my waistline yet. I, actually, funny enough, two of which of these people I, I know ha did not have a primary goal when they came to us of altering their body composition, which is but it was still almost expected. You cannot expect that in one week, you are going to see visible changes after the past one year, five years, maybe even 10 to 20 plus years of these non-serving habits that you have been putting in place uh, and forcing your body to uphold. Visibly noticeable fat loss in a safe manner that you're going to, I would say, maintain long-term is not done over the course of a few days on a program, or depending on where you are in your starting form, maybe not even a month. It happens when you are consistently in a caloric deficit over a prolonged period of time. You must be patient. Buy into the process. Listen to your coach. Put your trust in them and do not look back. If you don't, and every week you're getting disgruntled, and you have a bad day and you relapse back into your old habits, sidestep the program that your coach has worked so hard to put in place for you, and then you make the actions that forces you two to six steps backwards rather than taking a step forward every day, you're only hurting yourself. So be patient, be consistent, and the results will come. I hope you've enjoyed these six things that maybe have lended to a new perspective that you're able to internalize and maybe look at your journey and go, hey, you know what? I'm actually one, two, and, and four, you know? Think about these things. Maybe listen to it over again and make some notes and figure out how you can start to incorporate some of these changes or perhaps even mental shifts into your life in order to make your progress where it is that you want to be. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with somebody that you know that you think is going to also gain from that perspective change that you may have had in this episode or learn something that you also did. So if you also love the podcast and this is maybe your first time listening or you've been listening for a while and you haven't done this yet, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can get the new podcasts that come out every week or two. 
Check out the show notes below for a link to the website and maybe any information that I've also referenced in this episode. And I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast provides general information and discussions about health and related subjects. The information and other content provided in this podcast or any linked materials are not intended and should not be construed as medical advice, nor is the information a substitute for professional medical expertise or treatment. If you or any other person has medical concern, you should consult with your healthcare provider and seek other professional medical treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you may have heard on this podcast or any link materials. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call your doctor or emergency services immediately. The opinions and views expressed on this podcast are of no relation to those of any academic, hospital, health practice, or other institution. Yeah.